Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You know what it is. Episode 83 for the love of the game. Let's cook. I never had time for the he say, she say, cats talk breezy, I put them on the three-way, coops keep coming, looking like a relay, don't catch it now, get it on the replay, I'm in my A with some kid named Enrique, don't pump weight, don't see the DA, what you hear now, is definitely not a cliche, I bought so much, I be sold on eBay, people thinking how I'm supposed to love them, they hate what's great, and I know some of them, since 12 years old, they had a poster of them, kids cry, you don't get them close to hug them, and this right here is my retro flow. The prince of the air gotta let y'all go Five guys arise when they step to the floor Phantom style, push your button, open the door If you roll it, and you know it And you ain't afraid to show it Put your hands in the air Welcome back, everyone Welcome back Episode 83 for the love of the game It's your man's ATH What is happening? Well, I'll tell you what's happening Sports Sports are happening in a big way In a big, big way Big way. NHL playoffs, yup. Baseball, yup. Well, at least for the time being, uh, considering the uh, number of positive COVID tests that have come out. But for right now, that's a yup. NBA, big time yup. Golf, still going on. There's just a lot going on right now, and it is glorious. Glorious, but a little exhausting because it's all going on at once. My multitasking skills are being put to the test Every single day. I mean, this past Monday was insane. So let's set the scene of what happened this past Monday, right? On a work day, no less, working from home, thank God, so I can monitor all the action. We started with Rangers playoff hockey at noon, game two of their series, which didn't go great, uh, nor did the entire uh, series for the Rangers. At 1.30, we had the first of two NBA games on NBA TV. That takes us to 6.30, which kicked off an ESPN NBA doubleheader. And then Garrett Cole was on the bump for the Yankees at 7. All that going on. And the Lakers Jazz was the nightcap. I mean, that doesn't even include the multiple hockey games that I didn't follow and the multiple NBA games that weren't on nationally. I legit thought my head was going to explode. This past Monday. So by the time the Lakers and the Jazz game was winding down, I was legit exhausted. So remember those dull, no sports months, those four dark months? Well, those are a thing of the past. Sports fans, we are so back right now. Uh, Knock on wood for baseball, especially. Uh, So just a, a few quick observations and thoughts before I bring on tonight's guest to talk a little bit more about the NBA. Uh, First-time guest, excited to talk to him in just a little bit. So let's start with the Rangers. Well, that wasn't great. The street poet Jay-Z once said, grand opening, grand closing. Well, that was basically the state of the New York Rangers in the playoffs. And I got to say, I was super confident about the Rangers winning this series. I mean, they were 4-0 against the Canes in the regular season. I know there was a giant layoff, but I was definitely feeling the Rangers. But yeah, didn't really go so well, uh, losing 3-0. In, uh, in the series. Now, the Rangers are a little bit ahead of schedule. They have a tremendous young talent on the team. They've got a really clean cap sheet. They're going to be a really dangerous team for a lot of years to come. But losing 3-0 against Carolina this year, well, I didn't really see that coming. So long to the Rangers. But it was definitely awesome to hear Sam Rosen's voice again because uh, we, we've missed that. But until next year, New York Rangers. Uh, another hockey note. Just a quick observation. I'm not sure if you uh, if you guys know this, but Connor McDavid may be an alien, you know, playing in the NHL. He's he's insane. That that's all I got right now uh, on him. It just wow. I mean, just absolutely wow. Uh, on to baseball. Well, the Yankees are the best team in baseball. Aaron Judge right now is the best player in baseball. Garrett Cole isn't even as sharp as he usually is, and he's the best pitcher in baseball. And if the season is completed, they're going to win over 40 games and probably going to win the World Series. I mean, I said it on the last episode, episode 82, the over-under 33.5 for their win total was an absolute joke. It was momish a joke. The Yankees are just awesome. And then, uh, again, baseball as a whole. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, a lot of positive COVID tests lately. The Marlins, the Phillies, and now the St. Louis Cardinals have all been greatly affected. Not great. I know baseball planned for there to be positive tests, 
And it took all this into account when scheduling. But yeah, really not a great sign. Now, everybody wants to shit all over Rob Manfred. They talk about the bubble situation that has worked swimmingly for both the NHL and the NBA and the fact that the baseball doesn't have one, that it's all Manfred's fault. I'm not a Rob Manfred fan, but let's pump the brakes a little bit because it's really not that simple. Let me start by saying this. As again, I mentioned, I don't like Rob Manfred. I don't think he actually likes the sport of baseball. But that being said, I can't kill him for the lack of the bubble, and here's why. The NBA and the NHL had the luxury of resuming a season, not starting one from the beginning. Baseball was bringing in all 30 teams. Basketball and hockey didn't bring back all their teams. Baseball has larger rosters than basketball and hockey. And, oh, there's this little factoid. The Baseball Players Association wasn't going to approve a bubble situation. So the bubble was never really going to happen in baseball. Now, again, it's working great for the NBA and the NHL for this particular COVID situation, or I should say this time period. But if things sort of stay status quo in December next year, if there's no vaccine and no Tamiflu or or nothing uh, of that nature, the NBA and the NHL will need to play in their home arenas without fans, just like Major League Baseball is doing, because the bubble for the NBA is extremely expensive and not financially viable for more than three months. So yeah, Rob Manfred sucks, but this isn't totally on him. The players whose livelihood depends on staying you know, healthy and COVID-free need to be extra, extra careful so that they can stay COVID-free and play ball and get paid. I will say this about Rob Manfred. The situation with the Marlins, the fact that the Marlins – you know, it came out that three guys tested positive and they decided to play the game that day anyway. Well, that's really not good. That's a bad look. But other than that, um, I mean, there's this trend of always play, you know, blaming leadership and uh, playing Monday morning quarterback constantly. You know, my guy Ryan Rosillo talks about it all the time. Like many of us who've never been in a position of power like this, like a sports commissioner, we just sit back and we shit on every decision they make. Like it's easy for us to do it, but maybe, just maybe, the people in power aren't always idiots. I mean, seriously, this trend of the Monday morning quarterback trend really needs to stop. Now, this is my prediction. Baseball will finish its season. It may be clunky. There may be more doubleheaders than we than we expect, but they will get to the end, mark my words. But I do have to kill Rob Manfred on the Marlins situation. Like, the fact that they allowed the Marlins to play a game the morning that three positive tests came back, that's, to me, that's really insane. On to the NBA, which has gone seamlessly, as seamlessly as possible. So much to talk about, and I'll get into it with tonight's guest in just a few minutes, as I mentioned before. But first, a slight rant and then some quick-hitting observations on the return to play. So here's the rant, the not-so-positive rant. The Lou Williams situation. So for those of you who don't know, Lou Williams left the bubble for a family friend's funeral. Fine, a very valid excuse. Uh, But while being home in Atlanta, he made a, a trip to uh, the strip club Magic City and was photographed there. He was wearing a mask, by the way, a mask that the NBA gave to everybody in the bubble. So you couldn't say that it wasn't before, you know, he got to the bubble, which uh, his rapper friend tried to claim. Uh, But yeah, he was in a strip club. He apparently was getting chicken wings that, from what I've heard on Twitter, are like, Next-level great chicken wings. So the NBA made him quarantine for 10 days upon arriving back in Orlando. 10 days. Now, yeah, the optics are bad. And, yeah, people will say that was because it was a strip club that Lou Will's quarantine uh, sentence was – well, sentence, for lack of a better word, was uh, that severe and that long. But that's really not the case. The NBA did so much to insulate these players. I mean, Alex Caruso didn't go to his sister's wedding because it was deemed too risky. So it's not just going to a strip club that's risky. Going to a wedding of 100 people is risky. You know, one person could, in theory, screw this up for everyone. Now, I really think that's unlikely given the uh, the social distancing and the masks and everything that's going on in the bubble, but still. So the NBA had to take extra precaution and be super careful that this didn't go wrong. So yeah, Lou Will was extremely selfish in what he did. And the NBA 
was extremely right to make him quarantine for 10 days. Uh, and it wasn't because of the optics of the strip club. That really wasn't it. So for anybody who was uh, trying to, you know, defend Lou Will, it has nothing to do with the strip club. It has everything to do with the fact that he was selfish. So, yeah, before I get into the observations from Bubble Hoops, it's important to note that the, that the New York Knicks, my New York Knicks, hired Tom Thibodeau as their next head coach. Uh, now, I have a show uh, scheduled for next week where I'm going to talk about this in greater detail. But to keep things a little brief for right now, I don't love this hire. Colin Coward tweeted it best. Uh, the New York Knicks have just announced that they'll be looking for a new coach again in two years. I just don't like the logic behind it or see it working out, given Tibbs' history, his personality. Uh, but again, more on that for uh, next week. So, yeah, a couple of quick uh, takeaways from the return to play. One, the level of play has been extremely high, given the fact that it's been basically four months off from playing competitive basketball. It's been a little disjointed at times, but for the most part, the level of play has been excellent. Two, guys for the most part, except for you, Mr. Zion Williamson, we'll get to you in a little bit, have basically been in shape and came back to, you know, the return of play in tremendous shape. And I really do think a lot of this has to do with Instagram and the workout culture and, uh, you know, guys posting workouts on Instagram uh, and on Twitter. And people basically don't want to be shamed. Like if you come back out of shape, uh, you're going to be shamed. And I think NBA players have like major FOMO. They have fear of missing out. If you're not working out with somebody, then, uh, you know, you're, you're losing out. And, and you'll get roasted and ridiculed if you don't come back in shape. You know, online, I think they see all this. You know, they have their phones constantly. So, yeah, I, I think this has actually had a positive impact on uh, the return to play, which, um, you know, you can say a lot of things about social media. You know, there are positives and negatives. But I think in this respect, for the NBA where the NBA is concerned that it's been a tremendous positive three. So I think I owe Mr. Devin Booker an apology. Uh, I've been on record saying that I think that he's an empty calorie stats guy, a gunner um, who's really not going to contribute to winning, but I I'm kind of doing a 180 on Devin Booker and it started a little bit earlier in this season, but their play in Orlando has definitely amplified that uh, 180 and, and is making that turn a little faster. The last three minutes he played against the Clippers, who employ two of the best wing defenders in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And the entire NBA was just amazing. And it wasn't just scoring. It was the playmaking. It was fighting on defense. I, I think I was wrong about him, and I, and I got to admit it as such. Um, it takes a big man to admit that they were wrong. Uh, I think I was wrong about Devin Booker. Uh, four, the Western Conference is more wide open uh, than ever right now. I mean, I'm having a hard time figuring out the West. I, I don't love what I see from the Lakers. I don't love from what, what I see from the Clippers. Are we going to get more onto this later? I mean, the Rockets are, you know, you don't know what you get from them. But yeah, I think the Western Conference is way more wide open than we thought. I mean, going into the bubble, we thought it was going to be Lakers, Clippers as a shoe-in in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I still, if I were a betting man, would say that that would be the case, but I am less and less positive of that being the case. Uh, five, so Michael Porter Jr. is going to haunt my dreams forever. I said it on my podcast a couple episodes ago before that draft that he should have been selected by the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks were in the perfect position to take a guy like that. I know there was the injury scare, but the Knicks weren't going anywhere anyway. So you take the guy with the most upside. Of course, they didn't do this. And of course, he has back-to-back 30.15 rebound games. Just another reminder that life as a Knicks fan is the worst. The absolute worst. Point number six, Giannis is, is the best player in basketball. And thinking otherwise is foolish. The things he does at his size is just laughable. I don't care that they lost the Nets. Uh, I'm still all in on Milwaukee, and Giannis is the best player in the league. Seven, the one reason to be a little bit scared if you're a Bucs supporter is the Toronto Raptors. I mean, my God, are they gritty? They are nasty. They are deep. They are amazing defensively. Their defensive rotations are next level. They're coached exceedingly well. I mean, this is the new model franchise in the NBA. This is, this is Spurs of, of the next uh, decade. They play chess while other people are playing checkers. They find guys off the scrap heap. 
Uh, like, you know, Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. He's turned into a star who may get max money this offseason. Um, Terrence Davis, a guy undrafted, he's playing quality minutes for them. I mean, they're just they're just awesome. I mean, let's go back to Fred Van Vliet for a second. The Raptors are 60 and 18 when Fred Van Vliet starts. 60 and 18. Un- unbelievable. I mean, yeah, they had Kawhi Leonard last year, who's arguably, you know, the second or third best player in the league. Right now, it was the finals MVP, but their record with Kawhi Leonard, or I should say without Kawhi Leonard, has been awesome also. And I and I just love Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's just gritty. He takes charges. He does all the little things. Uh, I know he's been a late bloomer, and people have, have shat on Kyle Lowry for his postseason performance, but in a finals clinching game last year, he came up huge came up huge and set the tone in that game and then he just backs up with uh arguably being their best player right now on a team without Kawhi Leonard who's trending majorly upwards I can't say enough about Kyle Lowry future Hall of Famer Kyle Lowry might I add give me Kyle Lowry over Kyrie Irving every day of the week and twice on Sundays can't stress enough how much uh, I like him and and the Raptors man they the job that Nick Nurse has done is just unbelievable. And and the fact that he's not going to win Coach of the Year is a little bit of a crime. And lastly, the production value of the NBA's TV product has been great. It has been a great viewing experience as a fan. The NBA absolutely nailed this. Absolutely nailed it. As far as a TV product, they really went above and beyond. It's better than you would ever anticipate it being you don't really lose anything with the fact that there are no fans it's really great you now you can debate the political and social issues with the nba with what's going on all you want uh you know where i stand i'm not for a lot of it and i've been very critical of adam silver in this regard but when it comes to the product on the court i choose to ignore all that stuff and I appreciate the product on the court, and it has delivered and has exceeded expectations in a major way. The league and the players deserve a lot of credit for that. They really, really do. The NBA right now has turned into March Madness. You have wall-to-wall action, close games, drama, but with way better players and a higher level of play. I mean, it's just the best thing ever, and it may be my downfall as a functioning human being. I mean... Let's recap to what happened this past Monday. It was uh, just two days ago. I mean, just craziness, you know, with, with sports being back and the NBA being a major part of that because games are be- are being shown all day. It's just nuts. And as I mentioned before, I was physically tired from watching and monitoring all of it, but I absolutely love it. Sports are back. It's fucking fantastic. And to anybody who was, you know, in the media who wanted to put a damper on this, that like was kind of looking for sports to fail for some other political argument, just go shove it up your ass. Sports are back. It's awesome. And kudos to the NBA for putting on a great product. And with that being said, I'm excited to bring on a first time guest to talk a little bit of hoops in just a moment. Okay. I have a the pleasure of bringing on a first-time guest, a special guest, somebody who uh, I found on uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's an excellent Twitter follow for all um, NBA fans, does good video breakdowns, uh, Mr. Aaron Perlstein. Aaron, how are we doing, sir? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, all is good. All is good. Wall-to-wall basketball has been absolutely fantastic. I love every second of it. So I really can't complain, even though as a, uh, as somebody who loves the NBA, I feel like my head is going to explode with, with everything going on. So, uh, so let's just, let's jump right in. I mean, it's, it's glorious. So your first impressions, um, of the return to basketball, uh, how did you like the viewing experience so far as a fan? Do you think it's weird? Um, who and what stood out in the first week of play? What are your uh, initial Im- impressions? I mean, it's it's unbelievable what the NBA has been able to pull off here. I mean, look at uh, look at the trouble that all the other sports are dealing with. Uh, I think it's unbelievable. I think the viewing experience is unbelievable. Uh, you know, what they have with the virtual fans, um, you know, how every game is televised. And I, I think it just comes down to Adam Silver has to get so much credit from NBA fans and not only NBA fans, but nationally on how he's been able to just contain what's going on in the world, keep them 
um, in the bubble, keep them controlled, and it's it's working out beautifully right now. I'm with you. I mean, Adam Silver and I criticized him a, a bit on other topics uh, last episode, but in terms of what he's been able to pull off uh, with this has been great. And as a as a, a TV viewer and a consumer of the product, I mean, I really don't miss anything without the fans. I mean, some people were telling me that they think it looks summer league-ish, that, that, that it looks fake. I mean, I don't know. I, to me, it looks, you know, just as, as good as uh, any other right. broadcast. No, I agree. I, I think it looks great. Uh, I think, you know, the competition is at an all-time high still. Um, all the players are still playing at an all-time level. Um, you know, that's the that's the big thing. It's, it's, it's how they're playing and, you know, the intensity that they're playing with, and that's just all you want to see. Yeah, but, but to go back to a point you just said, Adam Silver, you know, he had a couple of inherent advantages, right? You know, they, they were resuming a season, like the last 20% of the season. They, they weren't starting fresh. I mean, they were able to do this for, you know, a couple of months and not bring all the teams back. Uh, so they, they definitely had a couple of things going for them. But what they pulled off is unbelievable. So in terms of the, um, the basketball as a whole, um, you know, mm-hmm. you said guys are playing hard. But what else – is sort of stood out to you in terms of the actual play on the court. Obviously the games have been super competitive. Um, but have you, have you noticed anything in terms of like the sharpness has like, you know, uh, defense versus offensively, what is sort of like come along quicker, which side of the ball? What have you noticed so far? Yeah, no, I mean, the big thing is that there's a whole lot of scoring going on. Uh, something about the bubble, something, uh, there's the shooting that's going on is, insane i mean the lowest defensive rating is 102 which usually isn't a two-digit number usually like 98 97 regular season the lowest with the milwaukee bucks was close to 98 but in the bubble it's actually the bucks again but it's at 102 um it's actually really a huge difference um you know we're seeing just an absurd amount of points being um piled on uh it's great for the uh, the casual nba fan um another thing that i've realized you know, the refs are playing a really tight game. I think, I think someone did a statistic on Twitter. I think there's like eight more foul calls per game in the first quarter than usual. And the technical fouls are up. Yep. Yep. So, you know, those are two huge different, um, you know, examples. Um, my first impressions of the game. Other than that, you know, everything seems pretty normal to me. You know, it's, it's just amazing to have the NBA back. You know, there are a lot of great, great teams that are looking great and getting ready for the playoffs. So uh, a couple of things. One, I mean, I, your point on defense is, is definitely, you know, well put. I, I think just because guys who are able to work out, you know, when they're able to work out individually, they're, they're able to work on their jump shots, get in rhythm like that, you know, practice game moves. But there are certain things about team defense that you just can't practice solo, right, in terms of the rotations, especially yeah, yeah. with guys being solo. Yeah. So the, the offense – was was always going to be ahead of the defense just because guys can put in that individual work and and the team concepts come in uh, a little bit later. So yeah, defense is definitely lacked, you know, or has been lagging behind the offense in that respect. I mean, look at the Bucks. I know Giannis didn't play the second half, and uh, and Brook Lopez was out, but I mean, they gave up tons of points. The the Brooklyn Nets, who didn't even have Karis Levert, yeah. I mean, they're terrible. I mean, I'm not worried about mm-hmm. the Bucks, and we'll get into them in a little bit. But yeah, definitely, offense is uh, is up, uh, and and definitely and definitely more ahead of the uh, of the defense. But I got to give credit to the players here because, and I touched on this a little bit in my monologue, but you know, I I think the the social media like the Instagram and Twitter and and the workout culture like has really shamed guys who aren't going to be putting in the work. You know, so dudes came right. into shape, right? Like they really came into shape. It's right. not like the lockout of like 1999, where that season guys came in tremendously out of shape and the basketball was choppy. Uh, that's not really right. the case. I mean, the first couple of games, maybe for like a quarter or two, it was choppy, but overall, it's been pretty, pretty great in terms of the level of play. Uh, in terms of like individual teams and 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 players. Who made the first impression mm-hmm. on you in, in their return? I mean, I love the Toronto Raptors. I love how they're playing. Um, you know, it's just oh, another really? thing. Like, they're playing. They're playing like Kawhi who? You know, they're uh, they're 2-0, obviously, playing tonight for their third game. 
They're shooting 45% from three on 15, three-pointers three made per game. That's astronomical. That's something, you know, you don't see very often from a team standpoint. Um, so that's a big thing to me. Like, I, to be honest with you, a prediction for me was I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I, I know that was a hot wow. take. That was something that, yeah, yeah, that was something that a lot of people gave me a lot of crap for. But I really didn't see it. You know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, they wouldn't have enough offense. But they're showing me to be dead wrong. And they're being, they're still a huge, huge contender in these. Yeah, and we're going to get into them in a little bit. But, yeah, they've been extremely incredible. I mean, supremely impressive, especially on the defensive end. I mean, what they did to the Lakers the other night was just – was just absurd. And and we have some stats, or I should say I have some stats on them uh, that we're going to get to in a little bit. But uh, my first impression has been, has been a guy that I am on record of not being a huge fan of. Um, I mm-hmm. always thought he was an empty stat, empty calorie stats guy, a gunner who was never going to like contribute to, you know, winning basketball. And, and that's Devin Booker. And, and right now I'm doing a little no, bit of a 180. Okay. Right <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of a 180 because that game that he closed out yesterday, and, and it's been so wall-to-wall action, I can't even remember what day it is anymore. But the game he closed out yesterday, <laughs> the last three minutes, against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the Clippers, who uh, right. and we'll get to them. And I still think they're going to go to the finals, even though I'm less and less sure about that by the day. Um, those are two of the four best perimeter defenders in in the league and it was the playmaking it was the scoring it was the big shot I mean the reverse pivot and the foul to end the game I mean I'm doing a a major major 180 on Devin Booker uh so he gets my first uh Mm -hmm. my first impression rose if we're gonna throw it to the bachelor and the bachelorette for a little bit but uh the (laughs) second I get that yeah this the second guy who's made like a really positive uh impression is and this also this this really pains me is is Michael Porter Jr. None other than Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. I mean for for those who don't know, I mean Michael Porter Jr. was the number one high school prospect in the in the land. He had a injury riddled season one year at Missouri. Um, Michael Porter Jr. also should have been drafted by the New York Knicks. They did not, and of course the Knicks <laughs> did not draft Michael Porter Jr. And now he's putting up back to back like thirty and fifteens, and it just makes me extremely sad. And uh, it really gives the Nuggets a potential monster dimension that they didn't have before. But yeah, I mean Michael Porter Jr. Yep. Wow. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great point. I think both of those players are showing up. You know, unlike Michael Porter's science takes, uh, I think he's playing unbelievable. He's you know he's he's playing with a vengeance. He, you know, one thing I saw that he's doing great, he's rebounding. He's rebounding so well. Um, something you didn't see at Missouri is his strength and his determinants to get that ball. Um, and he's showing it constantly. I remember the first game that they played, he was beating multiple centers off the ball, uh, off the <clears throat> box out to get that ball and put it right back up. Got multiple and ones. Um, you know, this is exactly what the Nuggets need in some like a go-to scorer like that. So, Hopefully he could figure it out and, you know, <clears throat> get that going. Another guy that, uh, uh, you know, has really, you know, made a great impression to me is Gary Trent Jr. Um, yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. Uh, no, Portland Trailblazers. Apologies. Yeah. Um, he's played great. Um, I mean, he's someone that I loved coming in the draft. Um, he hasn't gotten that much time in Portland. Um, and now, you know, just with them clamoring for the playoffs, they've pulled out every kind of stop that they can. And, you know, he showed out. He was the biggest part of that win against the Rockets yesterday. Um, he's shooting the ball well. Uh, he's averaging almost 18 points per game in the bubble. And uh, that's just exciting to me. I mean, he had seven threes the other day. And and, and we're right. going to – and actually that is a, uh, a great transition because we're going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers right now. So let's start with the uh, the eighth seed in the West, right? It was yeah. that yeah. – uh, that, that's really like the, the real – playoff spot that's kind of up for grabs. I mean, with Dallas losing in very Dallas fashion, like a young team fashion, um, they're going to be locked yep. into the seven. Um, so now it's it's about eight. I mean, as it stands right now, Memphis has looked young and scared. and They lost Jaron Jackson Jr. They've uh, looked like their brains have been broken a little bit. Uh, New Orleans has its yep. own issues. We're going to talk about New Orleans uh, at length. 
And Portland's got a brutal schedule, but they're like a whole new team uh, with yeah. Nurkic back and Collins back. And the, the Phoenix Suns, I mean, they're they're far out of it, but they're 3-0 and in the bubble so far. And then and the Spurs are making it interesting. So, I mean, what do you make of this um, right. this race in the uh, for the eighth spot in the West? I mean, you asked me a week ago, and I would still say the Memphis had it. I think that they their young pieces still kind of had just the talent edge over other players. But now with Jaron Jackson hurt, uh, I think that takes a big blow. I think that takes them kind of full out of uh, contention for that eighth seed. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing for them. I think it'll be good for the long run. Uh, but to me, like you said, even though a hard schedule, I think Portland has this locked up. You know, they obviously have a play-in schedule. They're getting into a good spot in the ninth seed. Then they're only a game behind uh, the uh, the eighth seed. Um, they're just hitting on all cylinders. They're getting help from the bench. You know, it, it, one thing about Portland is they never they never had a good bench last four or five years. They always tried to pick in the draft based on upside. Caleb Swen again, um, <clears throat> uh, all dif- different players. You know, Nasir Little, um, and it never really worked out for them. But they're getting help from the bench and Tra- Gary Trent. Like I said, they're getting help in Jersey and Nur- Nurkic. You know, they're shooting almost 42.7% from three um, in the bubble. They're uh, scoring 125 points per game. Those kind of things are stuff we, we're not, you know, used to seeing from Portland. And I think they, it could really work out in their favor. Uh, another one, I think the second run-up is San Antonio. You know, they're just, play, they're just playing like the Spurs. You know, they're just so coherent, so uh, poised on offense. And uh, how Derek White is playing and controlling that offense, it's great. And but I still think that the Blazers have it locked up. The crazy thing to me is that Memphis, who was up three and a half games, you know, right now, yeah. I think if if they if Memphis would have won that first game against Portland, which they really should have won, I think the whole mm-hmm. tenor of their bubble experience and the whole tone of the team would have been completely different. But that's what happens yeah, with young definitely. teams, right? When you know Chris Vernon on the Ringer said it best: with young teams, when when things like get a little bumpy, they tend to hang their head. And I think Memphis is doing that right now. And obviously, with Jackson hurt, um, you know it's it's not it's not looking great for them. John Morant has, has struggled from three. I mean, I actually had him in a uh, in a couple of FanDuel lineups overall. I mean, he's putting up numbers, but the the three ball has been a struggle, especially against <laughs> the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the Trailblazers. I mean, I mean, what else can you say about Dame Lillard? Uh, you know right. that that guy is just like such a leader. I mean, they they got destroyed by injury this year, but it's a different team with Nurkic. I mean, that team with Nurkic last year, you know, won over fifty games. So I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. they're no slouch. And uh, I actually kind of do like Nasir Little. Uh, I know you mentioned they're not getting a lot out of him right now. You're right. I'm just I, saying. I, I still kind of like them, but yeah, right. Gary Trent, Anthony Simons. Um, there's still, I, I think, one guy a little short, but because uh, I'm not a Hassan Whiteside fan, but you know, okay. yep. Carmelo Anthony looks good for them. I mean, you got CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard's a top eight player in the league. So even if they have a brutal schedule, which they do, they should at least, the very least, get into a play-in tournament. Um, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't oh, imagine yeah. that Memphis. I, I can't believe that they may not even make the playing game with the lead that they had. And, um, and yeah, you mentioned the Spurs with Aldridge being out and DeMar DeRozan playing the four, like, do you realize DeMar DeRozan is third since the return is third in the, I guess, league in assists. And he's playing the four. They're yep. playing all the young guards. It's super interesting, but I still think, I think Portland probably takes it. I think they're going to play the Pelicans in the in the playing game, if I had to guess, but shout out by the way, shout out to De'Aaron yep. Fox, who's, who's really awesome. But the Kings mm-hmm. just don't have enough. Yep, yep. Um, but I yeah, mean, I, I, love that I dude and he's playing great. Awesome, he's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be Portland and the Pelicans, which brings me to the Pelicans, and I have an issue with the Pelicans, right? Because this conversation needs to be had, and uh, going into this, like they had the easy schedule, um in the back end because that's what, you know, it mirrored the schedule that they were going to have at the end of the regular season. Uh, and they had their win against Memphis, but like, yep. I don't know if you follow betting lines. I follow it a little bit, not much, but going into the bubble, like the first game they were, you know, I think 
four and a half point favorites against a Utah Jazz team that was on pace to win 50 games. I just don't get right. it, right? I mean, this team is, mm-hmm. even after the win in Memphis, is 6-23 and 23 in close games this year. Like, why do you think they get so much respect for a team that really hasn't won anything yet? Well, I mean, I think it starts with Zion. You know, you saw this in Duke. You saw this everywhere this guy went. Um, I think he just brings the media. He brings the popularity. And you're right. I, they ha- they shouldn't get much respect because they haven't won anything. You're right. They haven't. And, you know, I think they're just liked based on the popularity that Zion brings, that Brandon Ingram brings. Um, uh, you know, they're not showing enough. You know, that Utah Jazz game, you're right. I was very pessimistic after that game. Um, I think Brandon Ingram is definitely still my most improved player, but you're right. I mean, they, they don't need, they don't, they shouldn't get respect right now. And especially they shouldn't get respect for how they're utilizing the player. Before we get into Brandon Ingram, I mean, can we talk about Zion for a second? I don't know what's going, what's going on here. Um, I mean, he looks terribly out of shape. I mean, the NBA Twitter and the, and the internet went wild when they saw that picture of him lifting weights and he looked completely jacked, like. You're telling me the guy goes home for a week and puts on, like, 25 pounds? Not the good type of 25 pounds? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, no, I mean, there's obviously some fishy stuff going on. You know, they don't like – they don't let everything come out of uh, the Pelicans organization. I really think it's that. And it really seems like they just don't really want to be in the bubble. I think they really want to continue their progression as, you know, a young team. And they're like playing Zion almost only 20 minutes a game when they're, these are must win games. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I get it with his injury history. The guy's 19 years old. So you, so you definitely want to be cautious, but I feel just the minute allocation to me is weird. Like, and I, I'm sure yeah. that it's not, it's coming from above that. It's not um, Alvin Gentry making the full, uh, the full call, but, I mean, you would think you'd want to play in the most important minutes of the game. I mean, you saw even out of shape, right? And he's been terrible right. defensively. Um, but you saw at the end of the game against against Memphis, just like what kind of impact he can have just in an instant. So I, I just yeah, I just exactly. don't get what what their deal is. And, and now it goes to Brandon Ingram, right? Who you mm-hmm. you seem to love Brandon Ingram, right? He's your most improved player. If I told yeah. you that he was Rudy Gay 3.0, what would your response be? Um, I think that'd be a little bit of a dis- disrespect. I would disagree with that. I think <laughs> okay. he, <All> right. <laughs> he is, you know, he's showing, you have to look at his progression as a, as a player. You know, he came into the league from Duke as a stick, you know, someone like Kevin Durant. Everyone said he, he needed muscle. Um, he went into Los Angeles Lakers in a, in a weird situation, obviously. One year with Kobe, another year everything was just with LeBron and just all the media. Um, and I, I think he was never really given a real true chance to show what he's able to do. And, you know, <clears throat> I think he's showing unbelievable strides as a go-to scorer. He's in the 70th percentile in isolation offense in the league. He's 89th in cuts. Uh, his IQ of the game is progressing every single time he steps on that court. You know, there are times he's definitely, there's a lapse of IQ and passing and things like that, but how he's showing, he's showing so much than he, more than he did at Duke. You know, he, at Duke, he was just a scorer. He was a one-dimensional scorer in mid-range or in isolation. And he, here he's showing he can, he can uh, facilitate, he can cut to the basket, he can um, finish at the rim. And the big thing is a lot of people could say he's still an isolation player, but he's actually only playing uh, isolation in 13% of his offensive plays. And I think that's a big thing that people don't understand is that, yeah, he's an isolation player. Yeah, he's someone that you could say he's chucking up shots, but only 13% of the time on offense, that's nothing. And that, that's, he's playing a, that's much a pretty more good stat. Pick, yeah, much more in pick and roll much more in spot-up situations off Lonzo, and he's still scoring absurd amounts. And I think that's a big thing that people have to think about. And to me, it's a no-brainer. He's the most improved. So I actually, if I filled out, um, and I haven't made it big enough in the sports media business yet, but if I actually filled out a ballot, <laughs> I would have I put Bam Adebayo as my most improved player. Yeah. My thing with We're Brandon Ingram, I know, right? It's uh, you know, you you on Twitter, <laughs> me on the podcast. We can uh, we can we can do some things, make some moves. Uh, yep. Lord knows, sports yep. media needs an overhaul. Um, anyway, but yeah, <laughs> uh, 
my thing with Brandon Ingram is, and if you look at the numbers, you know, the numbers are great this year. 26 and a half points a game. Just, uh, just you know, getting buckets. Solid, solid rebounder. Um, pretty good assist guy. I just, I don't know if, if those, like those numbers should produce better records. You know, you know, and I just, there's something a little missing. Like he's, he's very talented, but like there was a debate between, I I think Kevin O'Connor has been on the ringer has been banging this, this debate that he says he's better than Ben Simmons. And my thing is like, yeah, okay. That's pushing it. And my thing is this, Ben Simmons can be the best player on a team that wins 50 games. I don't think Mm -hmm. Brandon Ingram can be the best player on a team that wins 50 games. Um, and, and maybe that's unfair to him. Um, but like at a certain point, if you want to be the go-to guy on a team and, and I actually think him is like the number two, cause, cause when Zion's right, Zion's the best player on the Pelicans. I mean, I, I think that's right. I think that's not even a question, but you know, right. I, I just hope for Ingram's development that. You know, the chemistry with Zion, like he kind of knows his role a little bit and, and stays in his lane and doesn't try to be like, have like this alpha dog, you know, face off that, that blows up in the Pelican's face. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. I think, I think the is holding him too much to a high standard. I understand that they didn't, you know, win that much. They, they've only won, <clears throat> they only won 29 games before uh, the season was postponed. But um, I think that his help is, is, is definitely overrated. Um, uh, Lonzo Ball, you know, everyone can continue to say every pass he makes. Um, you know, he's unbelievable. He's the next Magic Johnny. You know, he's the next big point guard. He shot 40% from the field in the, the NBA. I mean, he, he's not efficient. He, he can't hit the three um, efficiently. Uh, J.J. Redick has been playing okay, but he's been turning the ball over a lot more than he usually does in his career. Uh, other than that, Zion's only played uh, what 22 games in the NBA in the season. Um, I really think he didn't have as much help as people give him out to get have. That's so funny because I'm so high on Lonzo Ball. I know he's so incredibly mm-hmm. flawed, but he's the de- the ability on the defensive end, and and he just he's just a smart basketball player. And oh, yeah. he actually 100%. he actually shot like high thirties percent from three. Now the free throw shooting is a bit abysmal and needs to mm-hmm. needs to um, be improved. And and he needs some type of uh, pull up jump shot game and um, you know something in between where he's not just getting dunks uh, because if he's not getting dunks, he's not hitting threes. His finishing around the rim you know leaves a little bit to be desired. I just think there's so there's such an intangible thing with him. Um, that I, I right. just I just love um, the funny and it's funny you say that about JJ Reddick because I noticed the same thing like JJ's doing a lot more off the bounce these days than yep. uh, we've yep. uh, seen before and I don't know what that is maybe guys are just you know defending him a little differently but it's a little weird it's like I think he's a just little a less ball handling yeah. JJ yep <laughs> so yeah I, I just. I, I guess it was the um, the adverse reaction to the media hyping up the Pelicans. Like, the Pelicans are going to get in, and, and Zion's going to push John Moran for Rookie of the Year because the Pelicans are going to get in. And I was just like, this mm-hmm. team hasn't proven anything. Like, they're going to be good yeah. eventually. They're very young. They've got two really nice young player, players, and you know, cornerstones potentially. And, and Lonzo Ball could potentially be like a nice, really nice third guy. But come on, like six and twenty-three in close games, right? Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's just aggravating. It was just aggravating to listen to it all year long, all year long with them, and it's just like, I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, from the end yep. of the playoff picture to the top of the Western Conference, um, the Lakers, the Lakers who yep. have you know just clinched the number one seed. Um, obviously they've had a tremendous regular season. They're currently playing right now against the. Uh, Thunder, they don't really have much to play for, but they're getting kind of waxed right now. Are we sure the Lakers are that yeah. good? Yeah, I mean, here, listen, it's it's really hard to tell. You know, they have great games, and then they have games that you're. It's really questionable. Um, 
I think, it, you know, a big thing it comes down to is Anthony Davis is the best player right now. Um, he's leading the team Ooh. in points per game, free throws, free, free throws, free throws, attempts, blocks, steals, rebounds, defensive rebounds, usage percentage, player impact rating, PER. Obviously, LeBron is a top three player of all time for me, and he's one of the greatest players of all time. But right now, this team is relying on the back of Anthony Davis and his play. I mean, you saw in the beginning of the bubble, him shooting lights out from three is the reason that they stayed in a lot of games. Um, he's crushing the competition. He's arguably one of the best players, arguably a top three player in the West to me. Um, I think it's really going to stick with him. Um, they are that good when Anthony Davis is sitting on all cylinders and LeBron James is playing that facilitation role. But if they aren't playing that way, if, you know, the Bucks or someone can come in and help contain Anthony Davis, I don't think, you know, then you see their fault. So you make a lot of good points there. I mean, and, and Anthony Davis, I mean, the numbers since besides for the game against Toronto have been insane. Um, my thing, though, with Anthony Davis, and the guy is an all-world talent, is just like and, – and Rick Buecher has kind of been banging this point home on Fox uh, Sports – that Anthony Davis, when he's, I guess, the marquee guy, they made – and it's not all on him, but, like, the Pelicans made the playoffs twice, right? And they only advanced in, right, in, right. in the playoffs twice. So I think there's a limit to how – far given the way the NBA is played right now that Anthony Davis is your best player can take you. Um, right. I mean, when Anthony Davis paired with LeBron is a completely different story, but I'm, I'm with, mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm, I'm skeptical on the Lakers uh, and not just because of what's happening tonight, but if you get past LeBron and Davis, like if you look at the past champions from the past couple of years, Look at who their third best player was. Mm -hmm. I mean, who's the Lakers' third best player? Right, right. No, I mean, I think that's been their, their downfall this whole year. They haven't found that guy. You know, Kyle Kuzma can shoot efficiently from two games in the bubble as much as he wants, but regardless of what NBA Twitter says, he's not that number three guy yet. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think he, he needs to be there yet. I don't think... Uh, anyone really expected him to be at that number three spot yet, but he's not there. And, you know, they're still clamoring for that, you know, and it's not going to work out if every single game there's a different guy that has to go up. I just, I, I do think it's going to be like usual. It's going to be ride or die on, on what LeBron does. I mean, I, I think, yep. Like let's say let's say things go chalk, right? And the Clippers end up in the two seed, and the Lakers end up in the one seed, and they and they are on the collision course in the Western Conference Finals, which I don't feel good about at all in terms of a prediction, um, because the Clippers mm -hmm. have their own issues. Uh, continuity seems to be a major problem, um, but the the Clippers, you know, they don't really have an answer for Davis. I mean, in the first game, Harrell wasn't available, so. And not that he's going to do a good job on Davis, but I think the Clippers are are content on letting Davis get his. I mean, they don't want him to go absolutely stir crazy, but they have guys who can control LeBron. If the Lakers are going to play like the Lakers right. have been playing with LeBron doing everything down the stretch, I don't think that's a recipe for success for beating the Clippers uh, in right. a seven-game series. No, I, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, if they <clears throat> find a way to maybe – somewhat contain Anthony Davis, stop their big-to-big -big lobs with Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. They find a way to, you know, keep the ball um, moving around, not finding open shots of Danny Green moving around. They could be in a big trouble, you know. It, there's only so much LeBron can do in that sense. If no one's hitting their shots, it is not open shots, 100%. It, it's just, it's funny that you would think of, like, a team that, is kind of like would rather LeBron James be the like, the focal point, but I think the Clippers would rather LeBron do that because they have guys that they can throw at him, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and and even a guy like Patrick Beverly who you know is giving up size, but right. at least he's gonna fight like crazy. But I just mm -hmm. I don't feel good about the Lakers at all. 
Uh, I, I honestly don't even know what to make of the Western Conference at this point because the Clippers had um, yeah, have the tough. have the continuity issues. Um, I mean, the the Rockets, like who knows what that when you shoot that many threes, things can be, um, yep. you know, just totally different. Um, and that I guess the transition from from the Lakers to the team that they're playing now because I wanted to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Why can't the mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder be the be- third best team in the West? Is this me just being a I Houston mean, Rockets hater? Like, talk me out of this one. Right. No, I mean, I hear you. They're, they're playing like it. Chris Paul's showing the leader that he was years and years ago. Shy Gilligas, Alexander is showing just supreme potential. Uh, Steven Adams is showing why he's still a premier uh, <clears throat> center in the league. You know, he fights for every ball. He gets almost every rebound that comes to him. Danilo Gallinari hitting the three. But I think the big thing is the last few games, they're just hitting their shots. You know, if you watch their game, there are there there is great ball movement. There's great defense. But I really think it comes down to Danilo Gallinari, Hamadou Diallo, all these guys that they're throwing into the mix are just hitting their shots. And, you know, obviously that is a good thing. It could last. But I'm not 100% sold. Um, you know, I'm excited about their future. I'm excited about what they're b- building in OKC. But the big thing is you get there in a playoff series, you know, <clears throat> a, a game seven think like think about that okc young team in game seven against someone like houston there's no chance you know you get those you get that look at james harden's eyes and you see that defense of um those young guys they have no chance i don't know i'm i'm not a Harden guy because i think he he will always choke in the big moment but yeah i mean oklahoma city's really interesting I, they after you know before the break they had the since thanksgiving they had the third best record in basketball in the entire league. And people will point to the fact that their point differential isn't as great or whatever, but I, you know, their clutch numbers and Chris Paul is a huge part of that. And it's somebody who I've Mm -hmm. actually enjoyed watching for the first time in like four years. Um, You know, their (laughs) their clutch numbers are amazing. You know, Chris Paul was statistically the most clutch player in the league and had the best, you know, offensive Mm -hmm. number, clutch numbers in the league. I just, that team's a pesky team. You know, they, they're disciplined. I mean, I mean, Chris has his flaws in the big moment, but, but you do know that he's going to control a game. You know, Adams looks fresh. I, I just, I don't know why they can't be the third best team in the West. Mm hmm. No, I, I hear you. Uh, you know, they're, they're playing like it right now. But I just don't think that the, the growth they've shown in the first few games of the bubble can be sustained, especially in the playoffs where, you know, analytics can only go so far, numbers can only go so far until you get to the point where it's just the feel of the game. You know, everyone always forgets that about LeBron. You know, playoff LeBron is a whole different animal. You know, they're shooting 41, uh, like the Thunder are shooting 40% from three. How often does, you know, a team actually keep shooting 40% from three for multiple games? That's something, you know, I, I take into account, but I hear you, you know, they're, they're playing on all cylinders. I j- I, and the crazy thing is, is obviously given the, uh, the Paul George trade with the amount of first round picks, like if they wanted to in the off yep. season, because they just think that this team has a ceiling and maybe this team just has a ceiling of being a really good team. And it doesn't have that extra level to jump that you need to really make noise in the playoffs. Um, that could be the case. I mean, with this, you know, bubble situation and, and teams come back, you know, after four months, you don't really know. But that could definitely be the case. Like Oklahoma City could easily go from being a solid playoff team to like the worst team in the Western Conference next year if they wanted to. Right, right. It's it's wild. Right, exactly. But I have really loved the way they played. Um, a team I have not loved the way they played. Uh, the most frustrating team in the league is uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor yeah. right now. What are your thoughts on this team? What do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to figure it out because they're another team that just, you know, there are these times, like I, like the preseason of the bubble, they're showing these unbelievable situations where Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are just taking over the game. And I get texts from my 76ers fans like, this is the year, like this is happening. And I was like, I, I text them back. I heard that three years, like every three, the last three years, you know, I, I heard you say that and, you know, something happens. And I think the big thing starts with their coach, uh, Brett Brown. 
I didn't really uh, agree with bringing back Rec Brown last year. Uh, I said this multiple times to multiple people. I think he's a great developer, um, a great player with young players, but specific playoff contention, I don't think he's he's the man. You know, you saw that in Toronto last year with the stagnation of that offense, you know, always shooting with two seconds left on the clock because they just couldn't get anything going. And, you know, you're seeing a little a little of that um, now in the bubble, you know, Embiid is taking over, you know, they're, he's, he's an unbelievable player. He's realizing his potential. But when he goes off the court, I think they are a minus 24. And, you know, that just can't Horrendous. happen. A player can't have that. That can't. A player can have that big impact of the game and that big of an impact on the score. And if that's going to continue happening, they can't do anything in the playoffs. You know, they're allowing 130 points per game in the last three games. Um, you know, they, they gave up 127 to Indiana. 130 to San Antonio, uh, you know, there needs to be a point where we can actually take this, this team seriously. And I don't know if we've seen it yet. So I don't know about you, but Ryan Rosillo is probably my favorite um, guy in sports media, especially when we talk about the mm-hmm. NBA. And he's been a, a Philly believer forever. And, and he was, I forget when he did his show, maybe it was last week. And he was just like, I'm not going to get sucked back in to looking at the team on paper and saying, oh, you know, the the pieces are there. Let's roll. Like at a certain point, you don't play games on paper anymore. And right, I just, exactly. I, I understood why they brought Brett Brown back. Um, I mean, with the Kawhi Leonard bounce uh, going the way it did and the way that game seven went, I think, fa- you know, you could justify bringing him back that they were a bounce away from winning that game. Um, I think, you know, the loss of Jimmy Butler, they, they picked Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. It seems that doesn't seem mm-hmm. like uh, a wise choice. I mean, maybe Jimmy wanted to leave, right. but I think they probably should have done a better job trying to convince him to come back. And the Al Horford thing, like you would think Al Horford, I mean, he was brought in specifically to be the Embiid insurance. Yep. I mean, yep. They, they tried the experiment exactly to play it. together. It didn't go well. But you'd think that he'd be the Embiid insurance. You can't be right. minus 24 with minutes without Joel Embiid, with Al Horford making $33 million a year. Like, that. that's just unacceptable. Yep, yep. it is. It 100% is. And, you know, I agree. I love that move, um, you know, because you think about it. And, you know, this has been happening for multiple years where when Embiid comes off the court, everything just lacks. And I love the idea that you have Al Horford off the bench and he comes in when Embiid, you know, is taking a rest day or is out for a few minutes. But they decided to go in a whole different situation with this with this uh, idea and this project. And it totally destroyed the um, just the flu- fluidity of the team. I, I mean, I could do like an hour on the 76ers and and how <laughs> they they got here with the process and, and the trades they made and, and the Tobias Harris trade looking like it may end up being a disaster for them. But even though he's a good player, but he's paid too much, whatever. And all this being said, and, and they're so maddening. And I do think they're pro- probably going to lose in the first round. But definitely a chance. Yeah. They can also make the conference finals. Like this team mm-hmm. is the most aggravating team, and it's and and you have to monitor what happened with Ben Simmons today. But I just, you know, I don't want to get sucked in. I don't want to get sucked into the to the tantalizing talent that is the Seventy Sixers because I also believe that Joel Embiid is like the sixth or seventh seventh best player in the league. Um, but man, yep. I just hope by the time his career is getting really getting off the ground, he plays with a coach that can get the most out of him because. If I was a Sixers fan, I'd be I'd be pulling my hair out. And if Shake Milton doesn't yep. make that three, like Brett Brown gets voted off the island, Survivor style. Like he, you can't. Right. No, of course. Ah, oh, it's just yeah. No, I mean I agree. Like Shake Milton, like you're 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 winning a game on a three like that in a time when we're supposed to believe that you're a conference finals contender. It's 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 hard. It's hard to believe that. I mean, and and the way like Sixers Twitter has talked about Shake Milton's the difference. Like, it's Shake Milton. Like, it's been five games yeah. of Shake Milton. We like pump the brakes on Shake Milton. Like, I've liked what I've seen, but it's five games. 
I, whatever. Yeah. Enough with the Sixers because yeah. they can go on and on. For, to, to finish this one out, though, we're going to talk about the team that you said was the most impressive team so far, Toronto. Mm-hmm. The complete opposite of the 76ers. The, uh, the sum of the parts is greater than the equal, uh, I should say, the individual um, individual parts. I mean, are we right. really going to do this again with them going back to the finals? Like, are we really going to do this again? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm inclined to say no, but I keep betting on them against them, and they keep showing me why I'm wrong. Uh, they're really saying, like I said in the beginning, like Kawhi who, you know, how many times do you, the defending champions come back, lose their best player, lose the finals MVP, and still look like they haven't lost a beat? Uh, you know, they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, I love their ball movement. You know, they lack, they don't really have one man ball like a lot of other teams do. They're, like I said, they're shooting 45% from three, which I don't think will obviously stick, but 15 three pointers made, made per game. Uh, they're getting production from everyone on that court, up from you know Pascal Siakam obviously to Norman Powell on the on the bench. Uh, OG Ananobi is showing that he's becoming a defensive prowess. You know, someone that can just guard the best player night in and night out. Um, Lowry's doing great things. You know, he took five charges two games ago. Um, I love Kyle. You know, a team Lowry. like that, right? A team like that. A team like just playing for one another. It's so successful, and I really think a lot of the credit has to go to Nick Nurse. I know the report came out that he's going to end up in third. He was one vote away from being a, a there was going to be a triple tie um, in Coach of the Year, but I think that should have gone to him. You know, he's what he's done with this team without Kawhi Leonard. It's unbelievable. Agreed on Nick Nurse. Do you want to hear the the craziest stat, um, Raptor stat that I heard this week? Fred yeah, Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet, who went undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what the Toronto Raptors record is when Fred Van Vliet starts? What is it? 60 and 18. That's 60 absurd. wins, 18 losses. All right. I mean, this, this team, this organization, which was a punching bag for so, for so long that, oh, they get beat by LeBron every year in the playoffs, Right how yep. they just can't yep. break through this t- this organization has become the new San Antonio Spurs that Nick Nurse yep. who I do think is the best coach in the league is always going to get you know just the most out of these guys like he's going to do different things defensively like Pascal Siakam sometimes will guard the best guy and give OG Ananobi a rest or they'll put like Marcus Gasol, who's a great rim protector, former defensive player of the year. They'll put him on Jay Crowder, who basically just stands, mm-hmm. you know, behind the three-point line now on offense. Like, they're going to do all these weird things that, like, are going to just just mess up the other team. And it, it's like playing chess. It's playing chess when other people are playing checkers. Like, I, they shouldn't be this good, but yet here they are. And I, I can't say enough great things about Kyle Lowry. Um, that guy's just a baller who's been much yep. maligned throughout his career, like that he's always comes up small in the playoffs, that he's he can't make big shots uh, when it counts the most. And it's amazing what one game can do to, uh, you know, to change your, your legacy and your perception because in that game six last year in the finals against Golden State, he demolished them and set the tone. I mean, yep. And, yep. and Fred Van Vliet also closed that game six – just awesome. I, I just, I love watching them play. I just yeah. love it. No, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it just shows the, the strength of having a coherent and, you know, amazing chemistry of a team. You know, it, it's awesome to have a great player like Kawhi Leonard. It, it's amazing, obviously. It comes up in a huge clutch moments. Like we saw, you know, he obviously won that series against the 76ers in the playoffs last year. But for, there needs to be something said for having an unbelievable just environment and chemistry like the Raptors do. Um, and, it, you know, it could take you so far. They find guys like Terrence Davis, you know, Fred Van Vliet. Yep. Like, they're just deep. They play defense. They're gritty. I, I just I, – I love watching them. All right. So, I mean, yep. this – and by the way, this was awesome. Uh, it was really awesome Thank to you. talk to you. I mean, I, I think you're a great Twitter follow. Anybody who doesn't follow him, just plug your handle real quick. Oh, yeah. Pearlstein Aaron on Twitter. He, he does follow. great. He just does great uh, video breakdowns. But before we go, I, you got to give me a finals pick. 
Yeah, it seems like every single day I have a different one. But uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks being the Lakers in the finals. Um, I think the Bucks have too much firepower. I think Giannis is too powerful. Uh, he's showing, you know, to me, he's a unanimous MVP. Um, he's leading PER by a lot. He's just one of the most efficient and impactful players that we've seen in a long time. Um, but other than that, Chris Middleton's hitting on all cylinders. You know, he's doing he's shooting unbelievable from three, unbelievable from mid-range. He's hitting such great and efficient shots off of Giannis's passes. It opens up the court so much. Um, but other than, other than that, I mean, Brooke Lopez, like you said, he has to get all defensive votes. He is unbelievable, probably the best rim protector in the league right now. Um, and they're just, you know, they're so deep. And I think that right now, I can't see anyone else beating them. I've been on the Bucks all year. I've been on the Bucks all year. Yeah. I've said that they're going to they're be a finals team. Uh, I actually have them beating the Clippers in the finals. Okay. Um, I don't feel good about that one bit. I do feel good about Milwaukee, uh, regardless with that loss to the Nets. Um, I, but I just, I, I think they 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 break through, and and Giannis is my favorite player to watch. So. So that's yep. it. I'm rolling with the Bucks. So two two Aaron's rolling with the Bucks. And anyway, Aaron Pearlstein, thanks so much for coming on. This was wonderful. And we'll right, uh, thanks for having we're, me. We're gonna have to do it again. We'll have to run it back uh, during the playoffs. And all right, I'll speak. I'll speak to you Thank soon. Thanks you. again. Awesome. Bye. Thanks again to first-time guest Aaron Perlstein. Uh, did a really good job. Uh, that's episode 83 for the love of the game. Long live bubble hoops. Take us out. You ain't not afraid to show it. Put your hands in the air. And say, oh yeah. And if you're loaded and you know it. And you ain't afraid to show it. Put your dick up in the air. Come up. And say, oh yeah. Come up. I'm into what you something. I'm in, I'm into what you say. Tell me what you say. I'm into what you something. I'm in, I'm into what you say. Tell me what you say. I'm into what you say. I'm in, I'm into what you say. Tell me what you say. I'm into what you say. I'm in, I'm into what you say. Tell me what you say. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.